0: He writes a book to a man called Theopolis, which means lover of God. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Rod Him.
1: I'm Janice. And
0: this is Bible Discovery TV. We're going through the Bible and we're in the New Testament. Now from Genesis to Revelation, we're in Acts. Acts is a great book. We're going to study Acts chapter one in about three minutes. Stay there. It's going to be a good one today. Corey,
2: I'm taking a look at the Herods of Acts, Ryan.
3: Today, Peter delivers a powerful sermon in Acts chapter 3 following a miraculous healing. But Acts 3 verse 1 gives us a detail that explains why Peter's approach to his audience was so effective.
0: Yeah, very good. This is really interesting, the
1: acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Janice? Well, it's our Friday fun-filled question, wrap-up question of the week from John chapter 7 to Acts chapter 3. I hope you're ready.
0: All right, so take your Bible guide out, open up to Acts chapter 1. Let's begin to study and read what God said. Acts 1.
1: 1-8. and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 8.
0: Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3. Luke continues to write. This is absolutely amazing. Many avid readers of the Bible, as well as Bible scholars, have noted that the book of Acts is a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Now, it is what happened next. Like Luke, Acts was written to a man by the name of Theophilus. His name actually means lover of God. This time, however, the book focuses on the fulfillment of Jesus' words that the gospel will be preached to Jerusalem, to Samaria, and to the world. Luke specifically tracks Peter and Paul. and When we get to see roughly the first three decades of the church, as it grew after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Now, Acts chapter 1 through 7, this highlights a time just after the resurrection. Acts chapter 8 through 12 features mainly the work of Peter. And Acts chapter 13 to 28 then focus on Paul, the former persecutor of the church. What an amazing testament to the activity of the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, God's presence in the lives of believers changes so much, both then and now. And once we've confessed our sins and asked God for forgiveness, once we've taken on the name of Christ and his righteousness, the world around us should also change because we're in that world, even though we're not of that world. This is fascinating. It's just absolutely amazing. And as I said, the book of Acts is written as a sequel to the book of Luke and uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, I like to call it. But this is absolutely fascinating. So take your Bible guide and turn to it today. If you don't have one, call us or write to us and we'll send you one. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it and it takes you to a donate page. And may I say thank you for your donations. Very important, especially in today's world. Very important. It, it helps you identify where your heart is. Acts of the Apostles. Now, an apostle is a man who goes in power and focuses on what he's been commissioned with. Well, God is going to commission the 12 apostles, and we're going to see that, Then there's going to be more, and it's just going to continue to grow. Father, I pray today as we begin the book of Acts, that you would open up our hearts to hear you and to see you and to understand what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Now, it's important, Lord, we have to look at Acts as God speaking to us, our hearts personally. And there are many people who are focused on you right now. I can't see them, but you can. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to us, all of us, as I'm one of those, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, listen to this. Acts chapter one, here is what Luke says, he says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments, Jesus had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining, this is important, to the kingdom of God. That's amazing. Now, let's go back. The name Theophilus means lover of God. If you are a Christian or a Christ-like person, Acts is written to you. It's your letter. It's a letter from God to you. This chapter, this book, series of 28 chapters is your letter. I'm letting you know God has written it to you. And now many people for the first time are reading it. They're reading it all the way through. It's very important. And every book of the Bible is your letter. You should read what God has said to you. I want to stress that. That's very important. We could talk more about the first three verses of Acts, but I just needed to stress that. Let's go on because this gets even better. Acts chapter one, verse four. Here's what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, this is the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. The promise of the Father? What's that? For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is something that's totally new. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the promise of Jesus Christ to the Christians. Promise of the Father. The word baptism means to be immersed Immersed in water or covering of the Holy Spirit. What? Absolutely true. We are to be covered in the Holy Spirit. Let me me explain this. The Holy Spirit of God is God's Spirit. He is the one who does everything. We, We have gifts of the Spirit, which are gifts. And we have fruits of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are given by God. But the fruit of the Spirit is something we grow. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and faith. Let me say it again. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. Galatians 5, to 25. Keep that in mind. God has given us those fruits to grow in our lives. That's important. All right, let's read on. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They want the kingdom to come. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. All right. Did you hear that? That's important to remember. Conspiracy theorists need to hear that. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are called to become witnesses of Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is. Somebody's called to become a witness. Every Christian is an evangelist. I remember somebody saying to me, uh, it was in my church and they said, well, I'm not much of an evangelist. I'm just hanging out. and I don't know. I just, you know, my friends come to me. And I talk to them, but I'm not much an evangelist. And I started to ask them questions. Well, when they talk to you, what did they talk to you about? Well, they talked to me about their life and what's happening. What do you do? Well, I know I talk to them. I pray for them and everything else, but I'm not much of an evangelist. <laughs> he was evangelizing. He didn't even know it. Because he goes to the source of power that he has, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Beloved, evangelism is shifting your life and your life speaks to people. When you change your behaviors, those behaviors shift your life. That shift of life is evangelism and God will make that clear. So evangelism is not always standing on the street preaching. It's with your friends and your family, shifting your life so they see the Lord Jesus Christ. Why have you changed it? Because of Jesus Christ. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
2: All right, so we are in the book of Acts now. We're after the resurrection of Christ, we're be- we're seeing the church begin to grow and In comes another King Herod. It is not the same King Herod as Herod the Great. We've moved on, not one generation, but another generation now. We have the grandson and great-grandson of Herod the Great, confusingly both called Agrippa. Take a look. Acts chapter 12 names King Herod as responsible for the murder of James, the son of Zebedee, and the imprisonment of Peter. More specifically, this king was known as Herod Agrippa I, to distinguish himself from his grandfather, King Herod the Great, who was ruling back during the birth of Jesus Christ. Herod Agrippa I is well-remembered in history as a strong political figure. Raised in Rome, he befriended and backed two successive emperors, who rewarded him with control over territory. But Herod Agrippa is also famous for his own death. In a scene recorded both in Acts 12 and the history of Josephus, a first-century Roman historian, Agrippa I is said to have met his end during a public gathering. In the Bible, Agrippa is dressed in royal robes, delivering a public address from a special throne or platform when he accepts worship from the crowd. Josephus similarly claims Agrippa was in Caesarea's theatre, accepted praise as if he was a god, and then was struck with sharp pain in his stomach. Only days later, he was dead. The next Herod mentioned in Acts is Agrippa's son, called Herod Agrippa II. In Acts 25 and 26, Paul had been imprisoned in Caesarea for two years, when Agrippa II visited with his sister Bernice and was asked to hear Paul's case. Agrippa II concluded that Paul was innocent, but since Paul had appealed to the emperor, he had to travel to Rome to be given trial there. Agrippa II was also raised and educated in Rome, and though he was in charge of territory in Judea and over the temple in Jerusalem, he managed to live through the Jewish revolt of A.D. 66 and the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. During this time, he tried unsuccessfully to diffuse the political-social tension between Rome and certain factions of the Jewish population. When the rebellion turned into full-fledged war, Agrippa II gave aid to Roman General Vespasian and his son Titus, who both ended up serving as Roman emperors. With friends in the highest of places, Agrippa II's territory was enlarged, and he was able to rule until his death in AD 93. So well, there we go, I, ho- I hope that that helps you uh, be able to identify the different Herods You know, in Acts. They're not the same person, but they do come from the same family.
0: You know, what's interesting, <laughs> uh, yeah, they do. And what's interesting is that the authorities or the governments or the man-made governments mm-hmm. uh, are always there as the churches now, Jesus Christ in us is always there. And it's fascinating and Peter and Paul, uh, take a shot at how we do. How, tell us how to do it according to what the Holy Spirit says. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into this in the the uh, Book of Romans. It's very interesting.
2: Yeah. And there's there's different priorities, eh, that you see That's in the right. in, in in the in the Herods than you see in the early Christians. And, and that the priorities are totally different and the focus is totally different. I mean, one thing that you can say for the Herods is they generally played their cards very well politically. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just looking at these Agrippas, Agrippa one and two, they they Agrippa One was able to come to power and be called King Herod, that you know his his fathers that and uncles, they weren't able to be called King Herod. So he by cozying up and backing the right Roman candidates for emperor, he was able to be called King Herod. But I mean, according to Acts chapter 12, it didn't get him very far. In the words of
0: Jesus, render unto Caesar that Mm. which is Caesar's, Mm but render unto God that which is God's. Indeed. Very interesting. Okay, thank you. Ryan.
3: Okay, so my segment today revolves around Acts chapter three, in which the Apostle Peter gives a powerful sermon following the healing of a man who had been lame from since he was born. And certainly, while the miracle was the main reason that the people were so receptive to his message, Luke in Acts chapter 3 verse 1 records a small but very important detail that we can easily overlook if we're not careful. And this detail helps to explain Peter's approach to this particular audience of people. Check it out. In Acts 3, Luke records how Peter and John, while on their way up to the temple, met a man who had been lame from birth. Though money was what this beggar was expecting from them, on this day he received the unexpected. Simon Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, uttered those unforgettable words, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This miraculous healing stunned the masses and provided a perfect opportunity for Peter to deliver a very effective sermon. Another thing that made his message so powerful, though, was the timing of this event. Notice that before Luke even told us about this healing, he first established when it happened. He says in Acts 3:1 that Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. While this detail may seem trivial, it is actually a key to fully understanding the approach Peter took with his audience. This miracle occurred during the ninth hour, or three o'clock in the afternoon, which was an hour the Jews dedicated to prayer. Also important to know about Jewish life is that prayers were instituted in the synagogue to correspond with daily offerings of the temple. There were morning prayers, mid-afternoon prayers, and evening prayers. These specified times of prayer were adopted following the destruction of the first temple to replace the sacrifices. So, according to Luke, Peter was delivering his sermon during the regular mid-afternoon prayer. But why is this detail important? Because Peter knew this and capitalized on it by opening his sermon with a quote from the very same prayer the people had just been praying. He says in Acts 3.13, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. By invoking the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, Peter is drawing from the central section of the mid-afternoon prayer, called the Amidah. So in essence, Peter is saying to them, the very God to whom you were just now praying to has glorified his servant Jesus, and it is through him that this poor beggar has now been healed. It was a powerful sermon delivered at precisely the right time and in just the right way. This is a good reminder that although certain details in the Bible may seem trivial or irrelevant to us, they are there for a reason. So it would do us well to dig into the details. So, as Acts chapter 3 verse 1 records, this whole sermon Peter gave occurred during the Jewish afternoon prayers. And so, by beginning his message by quoting from these prayers the people had just been praying, he was able to get their attention. This, coupled with the indisputable fact that a man who had been lame from birth had just been healed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the power of Jesus Christ, brought thousands more to saving faith in Jesus Christ that day. Praise God.
0: Yeah, the, the church was growing fast. And and one of the things I like to say is they, the authorities, the leaders and the high priest uh, came down on Peter and John and they said, stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Stop doing that. And Peter says to him, well, who do we uh, try not to offend, try not to offend you or try not to offend God. Mm-hmm. I do not want to offend God, so I'm going to go ahead and preach. And, you know, that's the definition of the persecuted church.
3: Yeah, it definitely. It was a very difficult situation for the first century church, yeah, you know, and, and all of that. That's I mean, right. Yeah, and, very hostile environment.
0: And, and it's it's a hostile environment now for China, for Nigeria, and, of course, for India. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the three largest churches in the world, and we, we need to pray for them, China, it's Nigeria and India we need to pray for them very good
2: you know and yeah when you look when you look back at the gospel of john that we just finished reading we see jesus telling his disciples in advance you know that they're going to yeah. face persecution and by extension uh, all christians until christ returns and that he says that he's told them this in advance uh, so that they would be prepared, so that they would know, you know, prepare yourself for difficulties. It's not just going to be smooth sailing. You don't come to God and then expect then that you, uh, you because you're saved now, you now have a right to never experience any difficulties mm-hmm. or never be looked down upon because you're a Christian or because you're different than the culture of the world or never experience, you know, getting beat up or, or or you know, getting fired or, or things of that nature. You know, all these different things that we could experience by being a Christian God has told us in advance and and it's responsible for us then to prepare ourselves for things of that nature, you know, expect them, they'll come. You know, the, the world hated Christ and so it's going to hate the followers of Christ. Um, but you know what? That's okay. Suffering for Christ is okay because this world is not it. This is not the end. We have such a higher hope than a good life here and now. Of course, we hope for a good life here and now, but our bigger hope, our deeper hope is for the best life later on with Christ because he's going
1: to remake heaven and earth and we're going to be with him in his presence forever. So So I
0: think that, that, sorry. I was
1: just just going to say that it's interesting too that, that oftentimes our human nature says, well, then maybe, Maybe I should just compromise with yeah. some of the, the, the teachings of Jesus yeah. because you know we're we're different now than we we were there or they were right. then and then we get that mindset that it becomes okay that Jesus would be okay if we just compromised and yeah. and and so that we would be more likable we'd be more like the world so then we can attract the world and that's actually not the truth yep. we need to be followers of Jesus not get in first and then that that can mean absolute persecution I think in
0: in Revelation the first three chapters chapter two and chapter three God speaks to the church and he says to them you know and the church of Philadelphia was one of the churches he spoke to and he says you know you've kept my word your strength is small but you've kept my word Mm -hmm. and so I'm gonna keep you as the pillar in my church and uh, in my heavenly uh, temple i think it's important for us to remember that god has defined the truth and we just need to commit ourselves to the truth we don't hate anyone we're not hating people we we love everyone however we believe that god has told us the truth about sin and so that's how we live and that's what we believe you know we just can't anyway i want to be careful what i say but it's important for us to understand that we can't compromise Mm -hmm. because that's a big, Problem.
2: Yeah, a huge part of being a Christian is laying down our life to follow Christ and telling others about Christ. So, in other words, I don't prioritize my own well being. I prioritize telling you the gospel. Yeah, well, of that's Christ. exactly mm-hmm. correct. I'm that's prioritizing exactly that because Jesus says, like, what is true love? True love, like, love people as I have loved you. Lay down your life for other people. Mm-hmm. And that is a hard command, very hard. Command.
1: But that is the command. That and, it is It is what it is. I what it totally is. agree it with that. What, now, uh, something else, too. For, for new viewers, Corey, you do something on the weekend with your husband, Matlock. Yeah,
2: yeah. So we do a Bible Discoveries, the weekend show. So we talk about issues uh, that pop up as we're reading through the scriptures that we don't get a chance to talk about here on The Daily Show because it's moving really quick. So yeah, we also answer viewer questions and discuss your questions as well. So check out my YouTube channel, which is my name, Corey Babetchko. We release it every weekend.
0: All right, and make sure you do that on the internet, on YouTube. That's important. Okay, Corey Babetsko on YouTube. Okay, Janice, the question.
1: We're going to see if Bob and Cindy get this one today, and maybe Greg, too. Okay, here you go, Bob and Greg. Bob and Cindy and Greg. Bob
0: and Cindy and Greg.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. What was the name of the high priest's servant who had his ear cut off by Peter, but then healed by Jesus? What was the name of the high priest's servant who had his ear cut off by Peter, but then healed by Jesus. Was that number one, Malchus? Number two, Malachi? Or number three, Matthias? Number one, Malchus. 3 M N-words here. Number two, Malachi. For number three, Matthias. What was the name of the high priest servant?
3: Well, they're all very nice names. <laughs> they are, um,
2: especially that last one.
1: The <laughs> name of my second child, Matthias.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <Mathias>. yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna go with Malchus.
1: Yes, You're definitely. Gonna go with Malchus, all right. Well, we'll see what Bob and Cindy says. We'll see what Greg says. And there's also a plethora of others who are going with these answers. If you guessed number one, Let's take a look at John 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So if you said Malchus, you're absolutely right. Well done.
0: Very good. Thank you so much. And we want to remind you to continue reading God's word. Check out the weekend program on the Internet on YouTube. Remember that our phones, the iPhone, the Androids, and every other phone has the availability of an app that you can get a hold of and watch the program each and every day on your phone if you miss it on the station or wherever you're going. And I want to encourage you that you can do that. Today, let's pray. Lord, help me to become an evangelist, to shift my life, to follow you. That's what I need to focus on. Help me to do that so that people will see you in me.